Yesterday, uh, my talkback session was dominated by the nation's reaction uh, to the death of uh, Grace Mullane, the 22-year-old student from Essex in New Zealand on a backpacker's trip fresh from graduating from university. And the grief and the anger was striking, perhaps driven on not just by the horror of the crime, but also the feeling that she was a good person from a good family. And this trip, which should have been the stuff of dreams, became that of nightmares. And to cap it off, it came so close to Christmas, a time of peace and family. We were hurting, they were hurting. And so for three hours, we talked about our reaction as individuals, as men, as women, and as a nation. It was an interesting debate about responsibility, and of course, the sole responsibility is that of the perpetrator. A friend of mine actually posted this on social media in capital letters and said, this is so, 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 so sad. But let's reword this. It was not her fault. It was not Tinder's fault. It was not because of anything she did. Not her fault. A man killed her. Violence towards women must be spoken about differently. A man killed her. Full stop. So the conversation then kind of uh, about the violence towards women uh, moved on. And the conversation turned to who has the responsibility to talk differently about the violence towards women. And I dared to suggest that men need to talk to other men to take the casual violence towards women out of their vocabulary. Uh, surprisingly to me, I guess, uh, a few men phoned to complain that this, once again, was man-bashing, to which I countered that there's very little sympathy at this time for men who complain about verbal man-bashing when women are literally being bashed and killed. And then the conversation veered on to whether we are a violent society, relatively, and there were a few who did not want the nation to take responsibility for Grace's death. And yet, later in the day, the Prime Minister did exactly that at a press conference while on the verge of tears. And I would suggest that while our homicide figures have been falling over the past years, the undertow of violence does run deep in our veins. My text machine was running hot all yesterday with suggestions about the sort of justice that should be meted out to the killer. I couldn't read most of them out. Honestly, they'd turn your hair blue. We have this abhorrence of violence, and yet... We are very violent punishers nonetheless. And yesterday, we were out searching our closets for our pitchforks and our burning torches, and we were ready to form vigilante gangs. And due to the stupidity of an overseas news service, the name of the accused became easily discoverable online, and then it spread like wildfire. When I got home uh, last night, my son showed me their Facebook feeds, which were full of mentions of the na name of the guy, photographs of the man, and again, suggestions of unspeakable acts of retribution. I ask you, has there ever been such a wide-scale flaunting of name suppression in New Zealand's his legal history? And it led to a warning from police to the public to stop it, to stop breaking the law. Andrew Little, the Justice Minister, told Kate this morning that if we want justice to be done, we need to leave the police to do their job, to continue to gather the evidence, because we want the police to present the strongest possible case. We can't weaken it. So today I say this. We all understand the depth of feeling, but we all need to comply with a higher standard. We need to be better than this. Breaking the suppression law and suggesting violence on the perpetrators make us no better than they are.
My biggest fear is that due to some misplaced sense of justice, the people of New Zealand could jeopardise the process of law, and that would be a huge crime and offence against the Mullane family, one of the hugest there could be, and a family who have already suffered in New Zealand more than we can all bear.